This is Biz. I'm a part-time working mom with a preschooler and a full-blown kid. And I'm Teresa. I have a family business, two kids under six, and a baby on the way. This is a show about life after giving life. Don't listen with your kids, because there will be swears. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, Living Arrangements. We talk about different family setups with guest host John Roderick, plus Teresa is still on maternity leave, and Biz isn't sure long weekends are all they're cracked up to be. Woo! It's a solo woo. John, would you like to woo with me? Yes. Woo! Oh, thank goodness. I (laughs) was very enthusiastic. So, everybody, John Roderick is joining us as guest host. Uh, Some of you guys may know him uh, as singer-songwriter of The Long Winners. He's also a podcaster himself. Uh, You may also remember him from our Live from Max FunCon show last summer. John, how are you? I am great. I'm so happy that Teresa is... Now, like, free of the burden of that child. Yes. Uh, being inside her and now has the additional burden of that child being outside her. <laughs> having all these unmeetable needs. That's right. Uh, and I'm, I'm super glad to be back on the podcast. I had such a good time at Max FunCon. And I figured, uh, oh, there's so much for us to talk about. There is. We did not get to a lot of stuff at that show. We talked a lot about sleepovers. And John was very kind to speak for all men, uh, which was which he did a wonderful job of doing. Uh, I'm happy to do that again. Good, good. Well, today you're going to talk about all uh, other living arrangements that are not like like mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Uh, anything exciting happening? Did you guys uh, enjoy the long weekend? Did you have a nice President's Day? Yeah. Well, we're going through a period right now where we're just doing so much traveling. Mm. And uh, my little girl is a, is a kindergartner. Yeah. And so we're not we're not embracing the notion that <laughs> school is some sacred covenant <laughs> that you can never miss a day. Uh, and the child is, you know, like needs to be there exactly on time. <laughs> You're a little more fluid, more fluid. Yeah. School. So this is uh, spring break right now, but she and I are going to Alaska th- this weekend. Nice. And we'll be there until she'll be missing a day of school next week. And then she's in school for two days and then is immediately going on a vacation with her mother to Whistler. <laughs> And then she's coming back and, you know, like throughout the spring, we're taking um, three-day weekends here and there. <laughs> Every weekend is President's Day weekend. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of. And the school, at least so far, I mean, a lot of my friends back east uh, say things to me all the time like, oh, we can't go to Paris with you on this all-expense-paid thing because if our child misses one day of junior high, <laughs> then she'll never get into Yale. And that means that she's going to work in the the boiler room of right. a steamship. The right, the right, in the salt mines. <laughs> right, and, right. And our our attitude is, well, we're just going to keep pushing that until <clears throat> somebody actually says, if your child misses one more day of school, then they're I could take- literally they here's their key to the salt mine. Right here, now here is something surprising. So uh, you know, we 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 now have, we've got my oldest is in, is in second grade, and you know, Kinder was a little fluid. It does come as a big shock for lots of people. The whole like what. <laughs> Gotta go every day? That seems silly. Uh, But in second grade, I I have a number of friends who this has happened to, and we got our first letter. So 
A couple of weekends ago, we decided to take a little vacation, and we took the kids uh, to Disneyland and stayed over for a couple of days. We took the Friday off, and uh, which is great. And I called the school and was like, hey, guys, Katie Bell's not going to be at school today. We're going to Disneyland. Woo! And they're like, yay! And I'm like... <laughs> Yay! And I hang up, and then like three hours later, I get this email and phone call, like robocall from the school, an email from the school that's like, your child had an unexcused absence, and do you need to speak with somebody about <laughs> about that? And I was like, wait a second, I called and told you guys the truth about where we were, and this is somehow going on to some like, I had another friend who has had his daughter out on a number of occasions for vacations and trips, and he tells the school, and they got called in to talk to the principal and part of the board, uh, the school board, about this. And he's like, wait, if I had just called and lied to you guys about every one of her absences and said she was sick, there'd be no problem here. And they're like, yeah, wow. pretty much. And so we just were wow. like, it gets weirder. I've discovered it just gets weirder. And I know that there are cases where uh, parents do need to be notified if their kid's not in school or maybe one parent doesn't know that the kid's out, you know, because another parent. I'm sure there's all kinds of situations that make it reasonable, but it does feel odd. It does feel like, yeah. uh, can I just like take my my kid on an exciting journey, say to Alaska, that would be incredibly insightful and learning, uh, right. and, and that not be okay? Eh, who knows? Who knows? Well, we'll find out in a couple of years when they get their key to the salt mine. <laughs> I'm really terrified of this, frankly, because I I do I do feel like I want to continue to take a hand in my child's education, yeah. and that and that education would be in the form of going interesting places, yeah. meeting interesting people, and uh, and the idea that I you know that for the next twelve years yeah. I will be restricted by that in the in. I will be restricted by a robocall. Well, basically. here's your here's like, your not... warning. Here's your here's your warning <laughs> voice of experience. Apparently, you can get around it in some cases. In our school district, if they're gone for four days, not, you, there's nothing that can be done. But if they're gone wow. for five days, then you can consider it an independent study. But you have to get it approved ahead of time. I'm like, oh, we've, I have a friend who's been in the situation where she's like. If I kept my kid out one more day, this could have been an independent study. But because I sent him back to school and we came back from Australia, I, I, we can't do an independent study. Uh, so uh, keep keep educating your child out in the world. You just may have to, like, check a box somewhere and keep them out an extra day to, to work with the system. Uh, I like Seattle schools, independent yeah, study. study. Start Googling now. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is really important to me, you know, yeah, like no. I can't imagine because also I'm anti-authoritarian. Well, that doesn't right? help. <laughs> yeah. So the school is going to say like, nerp, nerp, nerp. And I'm going to go, oh, well, I'll keep her out on, you know, I'm right, going to take her right. now. I'm going to, now I am going to take her to Paris. That's right. I'll show you guys. Exactly. <laughs> show and then you pretty looking. soon she, she's kicked out of school and I'm homeschooling her, which I desperately do not Dull. want. Right, yeah, be careful what you wish for. Uh, we were out for the, the President's Day weekend. We've had double uh, double ex long weekends given school, because everything, once you kids are in school, you're kind of like driven by these school calendars. And for us this weekend, I, I've started to think that maybe the long weekends aren't the best thing in the world uh, at all, because like in our house, it starts with the first day, everybody's great, all of us are home, 
Stefan's there, both kids. We're all super excited, <laughs> and everything's great. And then the second day, everything seems kind of like mellow, but we've planned some stuff, and it's really good. And then by the third day, it all starts to slowly unravel. And like, <laughs> all of us, I think I had, must have had like at least 10 moments yesterday on the last day of this extended vacation where I was like, I just need everybody out of this house. <laughs> Stefan, <laughs> I don't like spending time with you in the house. Yesterday, we were cooking dinner, and I was like, I can't. I, why, I cannot cook dinner with you in the kitchen. And he's like, we love cooking together. <laughs> oh I know. It's broken now. We've been home together too long. It's broken. We've broken it. Um, uh, but, you know, I think uh, that is because of how our, our very traditional living arrangement lifestyle that we have. So mm-hmm. let's talk about uh, other ways families can live uh, today in our, in our, on our show. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. You know, I have a very uh, alternative family arrangement. Yes. Um, which, which I guess... I guess you would call a modern family. Okay. And I don't, I, I never expected that it would be in this, you know, in this age of um, everyone just whatevs doing what they want and, <laughs> and recognizing, <laughs> recognizing the foibles of, of relationships. And right. I mean, you know, all the way through my twenties, I had, uh, you know, I had re- relationships with with uh, with women who were ex girlfriends or or with whom I was very friendly, and we would say things like, "Well, if neither one of us had had a kid by the time we're thirty five, sure, we'll we'll meet in an airport in uh, you know in in Kuala Lumpur, and uh, we'll have a baby together." Because... I will impregnate you in this Kuala Lumpur airport. <laughs> <laughs> the Kuala Lumpur airport has a rest facility, That's and nice. we'll go there. Um, but, but it always seemed in, uh, in my 20s as a member of Generation X, yes. we had a much more fluid sense of relationship than our, than our parents and that part of our, uh, part of our modernity was going to be that we, um, we could have children with one another as a gesture of co- companionship and companionability and, and both of us would be active in, in raising the child, but it wouldn't be always in the context of a um, of a marriage. Well, right. I just want to and, throw this out there real quick. I just want to like kind of bring people back to that day and age. That was like I am a Generation Xer as well, and like that was a time where divorce was really happening, like widespread for the first time. It was like sort of the first time a generation of us had friends who had two different houses they went to, and like you know, throughout. I remember a lot of my friends spent, you know, two weeks here, two weeks there, or week here, weekends there. It was, you know, the beginning of sort of a non-traditional, you know, setup was something that we were all experiencing. So, yeah, no, I I had the same conversations with friends of, eh, if in our 30s, you know, we'll get married or we'll have kids or we'll do whatever. We'll be the, 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 what do you call it, the fallback for each other, uh, (laughs) as it were. Yeah, so I think there was... You're right. I think at that time it was very, that's what it was going to be. So, so is that yeah. how that worked out for you? <laughs> Did you mean? Well, not exactly like that, but, 
you know, I was a, I was a product of a divorce in, yeah. and my whole childhood was spent kind of in a shared custody arrangement that was often very contentious and uh, contentious for, yeah. for reasons that had a lot to do with the way the divorce had gone down. Mm. You know, um, my parents were both very smart people and very admired, but somehow couldn't ever manage to transcend the the act of divorce and um. the, the, the so many bitter feelings that even when I was in high school, they were divorced when I was three years old. Even when I was high school, they were still refighting these twenty-year-long uh, battles. Right, and it was it was um, most. You know, I grew up in a in a in Alaska in a in a Catholic neighborhood. Yeah, and no, I was the at least in, among my core group of friends, I was the only one that came from a divorced house. Right, and. The other families in the neighborhood regarded my single mother with tremendous suspicion mm-hmm. because she was some kind of marriage wrecking hussy. They were sure. Right. It's got to be on her. <laughs> yeah. That, they couldn't invite her to their cocktail parties. And they all loved my dad because he was a, you know, he was a rakish uh, and suave uh, older gentleman. <laughs> but my mom had to be some kind of terrible well, uh, sure. single no, single woman. I, but so I was resolved, even from a young age. Uh, first of all, I didn't have a lot of role models in my own life of what you, what, what would seem to be like a healthy marriage. Right. The the Catholic kids and their parents, uh, they didn't really. Their parents may have had a happy marriage, but it didn't look. It didn't resemble anything I aspired to. Right. Um, you know, having the crusts cut cut off your sandwiches didn't seem like a life I I personally cared about. Right. And, oh, I'm going to uh, come back and ask you if you cut the crust off your kid's sandwich, buddy. Don't even I think do about it. I do not. Whoa! I do not. She either eats the crusts or she leaves them on the plate and then I eat them. Oh, you are so a monster. Does. You're a monster, sir. I'm fine. You know, it's like a little reward for me, a little crust there. All right. Now, this is good. This is good. This is getting us into, I think, a really good thing that I was hoping this would get us into, which is... Are, what what we bring with us into how we decide kind of what we would like to do when we when we have kids like I mean because this is a really this is all this all is your history is definitely playing out and I I think I find myself and I see other friends struggling all the time whether it be discipline or whether it be relationships with their partner uh, or you know disciplining their kids or choices like being almost paralyzed by, well, my parents did this, or yeah. my family used to do this. And I, I say, you don't have to do that. Right. <laughs> right? Like, all right. So, so this was your setup, uh, Catholic, hussy, um, Alaska, no role models, right. no crusts and, on the sandwich. And throughout, so throughout my twenties, I felt, I felt liberated from all constraint. As a lot of us generate, right? That's right. Woo! And when I would see when I would see people my own age, twenty five, twenty six years old, who had already coupled and had yeah. a kid, oh yeah, it was astonishing to me. It was just like, oh, what are you? Are you Mennonites? What are yeah. you doing? Why? Uh, and then in my thirties, it was it's surprising now looking back, but throughout my thirties, none of my friends had kids. We were all writing plays yeah. and we were forming bands and we were doing, you know, uh, we were having adventures, but 
Like none of the women that I dated considered even for a second having a kid. And, and I had no, no peers that, that made that transition. But what that resulted in, um, was that suddenly I was 45 years old and had no kid (laughs) or any, or, or even a girlfriend. Yeah. And I'd been in bands and I'd, you know, gone around the world, but now I was 45 and, uh, and, and I'd always wanted a family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's true. I mean, I just want to say real quick for a lot of people, I think that's a real thing that like it, some, some of us just would really like to have one. And, uh, even if our paths have taken us other directions and I think there can be this weird assumption that, well, then that means you don't want one. And, mm. and, and that's not true. And I, I think that's a very honest thing to say. Like I, you know, I always, wanted a family yeah and it's you yeah. do, it's it goes pretty fast when you suddenly wake up and say huh that's not what i have right now what do i want to do about right. that yeah i mean like we were you know i got little kids that i'm in my 40s as well you're just like whoa when did that happen right so so there you are 45 well and and so what but what i didn't have was a, a really strong feeling that a child and a family needed to happen within the rubric of, um, of a marriage. Yeah. Um, and, and in fact, my experience had sort of been the opposite, at least uh, my firsthand experience. And then also the, the sort of general experience of our generation, which was of people getting, um, as I got into the world and I wasn't living in a Catholic neighborhood anymore, <laughs> I realized that a lot of the people that I met were products of divorce. Right. And that, and the, Divorce always took place in a in an environment of well, one partner cheated on the other, right. or one partner betrayed the other in some way, and there were very hurt feelings uh, for for a for a long, long time. The only women that I ever managed to date in, within a uh, within the the context of being an indie rocker. Right. We're all, uh, we're all girls who had very conflicted relationships with their father. Yeah. And, you know, and all through this sort of divorce thing of like, my dad is a bastard and yet I'm obsessed with him. Right. And so here I was 45 years old and I had a lot of close female friends. And then at a, at a certain point I had an unexpected pregnancy arrive upon the scene. So, do you, would you like me to explain how that happens? <laughs> Well, I'm still confused, and I'm not, and I'm not sure whether it was unexpected. Um, you know, whether that unexpectedness was shared among all parties. It's never entirely clear. Either way, surprise. Here was, yeah, here I was confronted by this prospect. Right. And I, I very much wanted a kid, and I, and also I was, although we weren't in a relationship, we weren't in like a, a love relationship. I I already knew the person. Yeah. I already knew my daughter's mother, and I admired her. And so I I and and it seemed at that juncture, particularly in the culture in which I live, that to shotgun a marriage, yeah, was counterproductive. Right, right. That not a fixer, not a not yeah, a that's, solution. That's not where we were. Right. And yet we both were, we both wanted a child. And so we sort of, we agreed in, we agreed at first in principle, we wanted a child and that we weren't going to, 
we weren't going to obligate ourselves to get married. Right. And then throughout her pregnancy, we were really hammering out what the relationship was, you know, what exactly the terms were going to be. And we were trying to be very, very candid with one another. And because we didn't want, we didn't want to be in a position where the baby arrived and we had a suddenly a bunch of surprises in the form of unspoken expectations. Right. Now that's that's really smart and that but that's also simultaneously hard to do during a pregnancy. <laughs> you know what I mean? When when there's so much unknown and uh and everything's a little heightened. <laughs> right. Right. All right. It, it was it was um <clears throat> it was nine Crazy months, yeah. for sure. And I think one of the one of the one of the operating uh, understandings, I guess, was yeah. that I I was a rock and roller and sort of famously uh, just famously like here and there, a, a, a um, I'd cultivated a rakishness. And uh, like a traveling hobo vibe. You were you were a wanderer. Um, I was a wanderer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ramblin', a yeah. rambling man, as it were. Yeah. Sometimes I wore an ascot sure. for no apparent reason. <laughs> sure, sure. We know and the so, type. <laughs> like a lot of these Kuala Lumpur agreements that I'd made in my twenties and thirties, <laughs> it was it was premised on the idea that. Um, it was going to be an unconventional family right out of the gate. And, and what I realized in watching my daughter's mother start to try and uh, accommodate this, mm. because she, I think, had always, she much more had a sense of like, well, and then you fall in love and then you get married. Well, yeah, no, that's definitely pushed upon us. Yeah. Yeah. But she was in her late 30s. Right. But I saw her start to start to to go in a direction where she was thinking of herself primarily as a single mother. Yeah. And I was saying, well, now, wait a minute. I'm not going to disappear in the night. I recognize I have a, I have a, a tremendous obligation to you and the child now. If I want to have a baby, I'm not going to be part of not believing in part of not wanting to recapitulate this divorce scenario. Right. Is, is also recognizing that if we're going to have an al- alternate family, I have to reinvent what being a dad is. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't, I can't come home and sit in front of the TV, but I also can't continue to go on self-serving vacations right. just because I'm not in a marriage. Right. And she had a hard time believing it. Sure. Well, that's the, I mean, that's the downside of no legal document, you know, right. chaining you to each other. Sorry, I, I am chained. Uh, but like, <laughs> there, but with that comes, you know, expectations that are easier to assume. Uh, and most of us then wind up finding out we've got a lot to work out <laughs> because we had assumptions. But I, I can see how that could be even more challenging. It feels like it becomes a sort of... I'm trying to think of the right word, a discussion uh, of uh, of almost 
rights. Is that the right word? Like, I really want to have the right to, you know, as a dad, to define dad as this and be involved this and this and this way. And for her, it's, you know, I need to know that I've got the, I don't think rights is the right word. I think, you know, no. there's a common phrase, um, uh, well, not common phrase. There is, when we have uh, parents on who are single parents, they usually say a lot, you know, one of the upsides is I only, I'm the only one who really has to be the decision maker, right, right. In, in the situation. And I, and I know that's not necessarily true for all situations. So I think about the situation that you guys are setting up Right. We're not even into the situation. This is the one. This is the pregame situation that you guys are trying to set up. Uh, What was the what do you think the main issue that you guys were trying to sort of break through was? Was it this? Like, what are our roles going to be and and how do we do this? You know, and did did it wind up working out or did you have to change it once once she arrived, once your daughter arrived? Well, as you know, once your child arrives, everything, yeah. all your best laid plans go awry. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I'm, yeah, we're familiar. <laughs> but it wasn't, it, it really, it really wasn't a question of rights. Right. It was, it was absolutely a question of, um, because even the, even the legal document that binds you as a married couple right. doesn't bind the husband to do anything but come home from work and say, why isn't dinner on the table and then go in and lay on the couch? Well, sure. There's like, like, I mean, that's a big struggle for both people in a relationship traditionally is what are the roles? You know what I mean? Right. And, and if you, and depending, and this is like a real thing for anybody is you got to set that, you got to start setting that shit up early because it's you really, really easy to fall into habits. And then it's really easy to be, for anger or resentment to arise, but it's almost feel unfixable because you're still just allowing these roles to happen. And it's, you know, yeah. like, and it's... And you've never, you've, you've never articulated Right, them. right. Because you're and, like, fine, I'll just clean it up. Or fine, I'll just come home and do this one thing. Like, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Right. I work hard all day. What are you talking about? Right, right. Or um, I already do X, Y, and Z. Why do you need more? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's all that. And, yeah. And, and she, my, my daughter's mother, works a full-time, you know, 50-hour-a-week yeah. job as a, as a um, you know, with a job with a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And my job is one where periodically I fly to Los Angeles for five days. Well, or right. I fly to New York for five days. More unpredictable. And then I spend, yeah, I spend a lot of time sitting and staring out the window in poetic repose. <laughs> and that's my job. I know, I, mean, I know. like... I worked for 25 years to not have a boss right. and to be able to get paid eventually for staring out the window That's in right. poetic repose. And I don't apologize for no, it. No, you should A lot of people, no, right? And a lot of people said, well, now you're having a child. You're not going to be able to stare out the window in poetic repose. <laughs> and I said, well, I mean, if you can have a child and work 80 hours a week or 50 hours a week or work as a traveling in, uh, encyclopedia salesman, yeah. you certainly can work as a songwriter. Right. So, uh, so the, so what we ended up and, and, and I'm, and I'm thinking about this, um, you know, I'm thinking about it and also sort of speaking for her right. in, in how we were navigating that, or that initial nine months. But I believe that she resigned herself to the idea that she was going to be a single mother. Okay. Because all of my assurances aside, (laughs) 
there wasn't any precedent for <laughs> for a father that remained like super involved where he didn't have not the legal binding but the social uh the the social agreement of marriage right where where all the pressure of what you do within a marriage bore down upon the man. And and the day my daughter was born, I realized that at 45 years old, I had never lived with a woman. Hmm. I had always crashed with women. <laughs> but you never stayed for the responsibility of two people sharing the space. I see. Where well, could your I, where could the mother of your child be concerned? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I have shared the responsibility of making waffles. Right. Maybe, maybe the dishes after the waffles. But yeah, no, yeah. there's a path. But there was there was never a situation where I put something where I where I hung up a, a hat, like a paint a painting on the wall right. that happened to be of a 1970s uh, centerfold. Sure, th- and probably okay. <laughs> Right, and I had never stepped back from it, and had then another person look at it over my shoulder and go, "No way!" Wow, interesting choice. Right, I'd never, I'd never had to confront that. And the day, so the day she was born, we we actually walked out of the hospital and looked at each other. Where are we going? And said, "Where are we going?" That's right. Oh wow! Are we going? Are we going to your apartment where you have set up a crib and? A, and a baby's room that has a little mobile of yeah. some birds? Sure. Or are we going to my house, which also I've set up with a crib and a little mobile of some birds? Right. And standing in the parking lot with a tiny baby in our arms, <laughs> having that same experience that everyone does of saying, did they really just let us walk out of this building with this baby? <laughs> like, how you in real- the hell? You realize there may have been another question that you guys should have, should have discussed in those nine months. <laughs> What the hell? What, what? We never thought about this. We right. had we had not we had not considered this decision. <laughs> and we looked at each other, and I said, "Let's go to my house." And she said, "Okay." And She's like, point, "Let's just go fucking somewhere." <laughs> yeah, fuck exactly. Let's here. get out of the rain. It's March in Seattle. That's right. And we went to my house. At which point? We she lived at my house with the baby for the first nine months of the of of our daughter's life, wow. and we had because you know the ba- it's a baby you can't you need everybody you need all the, yeah you yeah no yeah people. you need all hands on deck yeah and so we just we lived uh, together as a family as a nuclear family at my house for nine months mm-hmm. and at the nine month mark <laughs> my daughter's mother came home from work one day, and she said, I think I'd like to move back to yeah, my own apartment. I'm good. <laughs> and, you know, the baby now has a measure of stability. Yeah. And at that point, nine months in, we began what was all along going to be the the experiment, or all along was going to be the, the, the nature of our family, which was that we had two complete separate homes and our daughter was going to grow up living in both homes. Okay. And since that time, uh, the operation changes every week. Yeah. And yeah. And again, the pediatrician and a lot of people, a lot of, uh, a lot of the, 
a lot of our friends and a lot of the naysayers <laughs> would say things like, well, the child, the child desperately needs routine. And they would say that in, in a way as sort of almost a prejudgment of right. what we were trying to The child needs to have breakfast at the same time every day. The child needs to know where she's going to be at any given moment. And that's how a child grows up a healthy, happy individual. And we would look at each other and I would say, well, our child is going to grow up with the routine of living in two houses. And frankly, like I'm a guitar player. She's going to have breakfast whenever I can figure it out. (laughs) And that was, that was always her lot in life. And so, but I was reflecting back on what happened during that period, and I think what happened during the first year of our daughter's life was that the, um, I mean, and we're doing a parenting podcast as two white people. We're 50 minutes in, and neither one of us has used the word privilege yet. Sure. So let me be the one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the form of privilege that I had was that my daughter's mother had, had I, in a way, resigned herself to the idea that she was a single mother and that was what, and then anything she got beyond that was a bonus. Right. And every bit of reassurance I tried to give her, every bit of, um, of action, you know, of action in the breach didn't ever really convince her that there wasn't going to be a day where I just blew away like leaves in the wind. Right. And I think she was hearing that from her mother. She was hearing that from her friends. She may have been hearing it from my mother. Right. That, um, that in a situation like this where she had been, and I think the, the, the judgy, uh, subtext of it was in a situation like this where you have not managed to secure a man secure. <laughs> in the in bondage right uh, that you are now basically a single mother and you'd better get used to it and what that meant for me as the father was everything I did above and beyond that was kind of a surprise and I got to be not a hero but certainly like I got to continually surprise people by the fact that I was still not only there, but like boots on the ground, um, hour by hour, absolutely completely involved, not only in my daughter's life, but in supporting my partner. Right. So you guys are five years in. So uh, do you think she believes now that you're in it? (laughs) Or... so there was there were also other points along the way where she went to a cocktail party one time and there were a couple of lawyers there who who focused on family mm. law and they were very curious about her arrangement once they discovered it right and then they were shocked and horrified that we didn't have a parenting plan mm. They said the absolute next thing you need to do is get a parenting plan. It is it is absolutely essential in your situation. If you don't have one, you're a fool. And so she came away from this cocktail party and came to me the next day and said, "I think we need a parenting right. plan." And I was like, "Where did this come from?" And she said, "Well, it's you know it's the absolute bare minimum. If we don't have it, we're fools." And we sat and talked about it for a while. And it seemed like as you digested that idea, 
what a parenting plan seemed like to us, it, given given the 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 friendly and cooperative way we were managing this, it seemed like a recipe for uh, it was absolutely a recipe for failure. Right. Because if you start to institutionalize what your rights and responsibilities are, you you're going to start to conform to that document. And if the parenting plan says, well, he gets the child three days a week and you get the child three days a week, and then there's a day which is open to negotiation, well, you're going to start living that way. And that's not how we were living. We were living in a way where we woke up in the morning and we said, who has the baby tonight? Right. And depending on who was doing what, uh, we were we were that flexible now, but again this this leads me to the question of is it still this flexible as she as your daughter gets older does it yeah. does the flexibility still work? I mean, it sounds like it you're taking her to Alaska, she's taking her somewhere else in a couple of days, but like but now that you're like in this is the first year in the school system uh which is all about you know uh, constraints um the has the flexibility uh, still worked? Are there signs that it's going to keep working? Uh, you know, how good are you guys at uh, adjusting? It has worked splendidly because we work hard at man- maintaining goodwill. Yeah. And because we have re- because we've remained friends because there wasn't any of that I, like we've said over and over we're either the most dysfunctional married couple <laughs> that ever was. <laughs> Or we're the best divorced couple that ever was. Right. Um, but what we are is a we're 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 a group, right? And we're trying to solve for X all the time. And yeah. who needs who needs what right now? But this year introduced a new wrinkle and and a potentially devastating wrinkle, which was after six years of this together, I got a girlfriend. Mm. And in that six years that we've been raising our daughter, I didn't ever get a girlfriend and she didn't get a boyfriend. We were very focused on our daughter, but now because of happy accident, I got a girlfriend and that really disrupted the, the sort of friendly, cooperative, you know, alternative family that we had created. So, but we worked, we worked really hard. And I think, I think what it, what it did was it relit the fuse of feeling like, well, here we are, we had six good years, but now finally daddy is fulfilling the prophecy. Mm. Finally, the you know finally daddy is revealing that he never really truly could be trusted and now he's going to disappear with his you know his new girlfriend and do the thing that so many 70s dads did which right. is grow his sideburns long and <laughs> suddenly he's in hawaii all the time and then he shows up at christmas with a bunch of with his arms laden with kind of inappropriate presents that are that are like they didn't keep up with our new age so i'm eight years old and his presents are all kind of for six-year-old right so i had to and now again have to reprove Mm. every day that 
I'm not, I'm still not flaking out. I still believe in the, in the premise of our alternative family. And part of that premise is that it doesn't actually give me, I have more responsibility, not less because I'm not dissolving our relationship. And that dissolution of it doesn't suddenly free me to buy a red Corvette and go right. have my midlife crisis. Like I knew what I was getting into and what that means is that I'm still here and I'm, and I still am fulfilling my commitment, not just to my daughter, but to her mother. I hear what you're saying. And it is really interesting because a, you know, here's this alternative way of setting up a, a, a family, you know, how you guys are defining a family for you guys. And we are definitely hearing the the dad perspective of this alternative situation, uh, which is all you can talk to uh, because it is your experience. And it is interesting to see that double, to see yourself be put in this situation over and over again of having to prove because we do as a society have an assumption that dad's don't care about responsibility uh, in terms of being a father. And it is... Unless they're bound by some kind of Christian... Now, even then, or... even, but even then, that's, that's, that's yeah. saying that it takes, uh, you know, sh- this, this binding uh, to make you want to be a good dad, right? When, when it's proven time and time again that lots of fathers... <laughs> You know, I, I want to be fathers and want to do their best, you know, for their kids and their partners. And I think, like, one of the things I hear you tapping into here is this, you know, oh, he's going to walk. That's what dads do. For all joking aside of, well, this is the situation you put yourself in. That's <laughs> what you get for an alternative lifestyle. I, I, I think there is actually... Actually, it, it, is, it is a remarkable setup and good job doing it to you and your partner and your daughter. Uh, but there's also a lot of themes that I think are coming out of this that I think a lot of people, even in traditional relationships, are dealing with, which is things keep changing and you have to adjust as a unit, as a group. I like the word group. We're group. You know what I mean? Like the, you have to adjust as a group. Uh, you have to... It requires a great amount of work by everybody. Uh, And, you know, there really are some... It is unfair that to you that you keep having to find yourself in a situation where it feels like uh, you're being tested again. Um, Well, you know, Biz, I don't even feel that way, right? I mean, the, the unfairness... Like, I don't feel like it's unfair. I recognize each time that, that this is part of, this actually is part of the job. Part of the burden of having an alternate, alternative family is that you have to reprove this. Okay. Because you, because you are bound primarily by your affection rather than by, by law or, or convention. And, you know, there are so many people, and I, I, know you wanna, I know you want to wrap this podcast up, but boy, <laughs> did you open up a walnut here. The, the, uh, the situation that most confounded me watching other kids grow up in the 70s was the one where the parents got divorced, 
and the and one or the other of the parents found a new spouse, yeah. a stepmother or a stepfather, and then poured themselves into that new relationship yep. in a way where they neglected their own child. And that's the thing that I never could imagine happening. And when I got a new girlfriend, I suddenly saw how how strong you need to be yep. in the face of that. Yes. Because the new, you know, my new girlfriend presented to me the opportunity for a for an exciting new life and a new family and a new sort of elsewhereness, emotionally elsewhereness, um, that I had to positively not combat, but you know, I had to make it clear to her that my daughter and this is a very you know, there's very tricky words, right? I, I, you cannot say to your new love, my child takes precedence over you. I'm sorry. Right. Because, you know, she has a right to say, I'm your new love and I want to be your number one. But I cannot ever choose. Um, I cannot choose a thing over my daughter. And, and that is a thing I need needed to make clear, need to continually make clear. Right, where if you want to be in a relationship with me and have an additional family with me, you become part of this family that's already here, which, you I, know, and I, we've had guests on before who've spoken about sort of co-parenting and when new relationships start with those parents, just, you know, it's a real balancing game of, you know, we're not going to go move away to Paris. We're all staying right here and... You want to be, you know, in the, in the, co- you know, in the commune, as it were, <laughs> you know, like we got to, that's a, you know, I, I can imagine that that's, that that is. Well, and, and the, and the additional problem is my daughter's mother and my new girlfriend do not feel kumbaya. Of course about not. One another. <laughs> of course and not. so, <laughs> you know, there is no, we're not all sitting on a beanbag chair uh, right. and, you know, and solving our problems through an encounter. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, you know, there's let, a, let, me go, let me go back to good luck. <laughs> uh, well, and, and I guess, and the only response I have to that and the, in closing, right? The only response I yes. have to that is that, that good luck. I know the mo- most asshole thing I could say. <laughs> Well, no, but it is, it, and, and I appreciate it, right? That is the good luck that I keep hearing, but that is exactly the good luck yeah. that I got when I said, I'm having a, I'm having a baby That's with this right. person. That's right. It's a totally dismissive asshole response of, this is going to be impossible. Yeah. My good, good luck, luck. Good luck. <laughs> good luck, buddy. Good luck. But here I am six years in, and I have, and I feel like we have yeah. succeeded. And so I, I, you know, I can only approach this new challenge with the same sort of confidence that we don't have to do what other people do. Well, maybe instead of good luck, what I really should say is good job. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Spring. Spring is the digital shopping destination for over 1,500 brands for all your fashion, beauty, and lifestyle needs all in one place. You guys, I 
am really into this. The stuff that's on there is from all different brands, from all different companies, and it's all compiled in one way as though like it's one store. So it makes it really easy to browse, and it was a really great shopping experience. You can download the Spring app in the App Store or go to shopspring.com to start saving on all the latest fashion and lifestyle trends. You get free shipping and free returns on your spring purchases with no spending minimums. As an added bonus, use the code MOTHER at checkout to take 20% off your first purchase. See the website for more details. That's shopspring.com or shop through the Spring app and use code MOTHER. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week as well as our failures and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time, John Roderick. Genius me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. Part of the problem of having a a relationship like I do is that (laughs) some things slip through the cracks. And in this case, (laughs) one of those things was Valentine's. (laughs) It was Valentine's Day. Don't even want to go down the Valentine expectation path with you. Okay, go ahead. Valentine's Day has slipped through. It was insane. My my daughter's mother had a conference in San Francisco where she was going to be gone for 10 days. Oh, yeah. And she left the day before Thanksgiving, or the day before Valentine's Day. (laughs) And so my daughter arrived at my house the night before Valentine's and she was going to now she was going to be living with me exclusively for 10 days and she arrives here at six o'clock at night and says oh tomorrow's valentine's day and i need valentine's for 25 kids i knew that was coming <laughs> and i was like say what what and because because her mother was going to be gone for valentine's day she did not think right. that this was a project that she should have started three days before. or even thought about <laughs> or thought about it right so i was like what the who? Yeah. And we jumped out of the we jumped out of the house <laughs> and we went to Target. Mm-hmm. And there were no Valentines left <laughs> for sale because it was seven o'clock at night on the night before Valentine's. And all parents had already come at five o'clock and gotten the, <laughs> those Valentines that night. <laughs> so I I you know, like hurriedly bought um, some like colored paper and envelopes. Oh, nice. And we got home and started making Valentine's. But we had to remember the name oh of God. all 25 yes. of the classmates. And we just could not do it. We got to 8.30 at night and there were frustrated tears. Yes. And so, it, so I took her to school on Valentine's Day and I said to the teacher, listen, hello, you know me, single father of the year. Alternative lifestyle. Uh, Alternative lifestyle. There are no Valentines from us, but we will get you Valentines. Mark my words. And she said, don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. And that night, my daughter came home with 24 Valentines from her fellow classmates. Boom. And I sat her down and I said, listen, we do not reap what we do not also sow. And even though Valentine's Day is now over, you need to sit here and work with me and make these Valentines. (laughs) And we did. We sat there and remembered all 
24 of her classmates. Oh, good job. Good job. That's a really good job. Good use of new val- of, of getting the, the names from the Valentines themselves. That's actually very smart. Good job. Um, I, okay, I let Katie Bell, she's seven, second grade. Uh, she sat down with me one night and we, you know, I let her stay up and watch on the Hulu Master Chef Junior, which I have no genuine connection to, except I do enjoy competitive children. And <laughs> children, I enjoy watching 40-year-olds uh, crammed into seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds emotional, emotionally. Uh, and uh, anyway, so I let her watch it, and she was like, it blew her fucking mind that kids were cooking and that they were, like, competing. And, and she was okay. so excited. And my daughter has never wanted to cook with us. My three-year-old at two was pulling herbs for me. Like, my son, like, <laughs> he, can, he knows how to make pancakes at three and a half every Sunday morning with my husband. But, like, Katie Bell, like, she never wanted to learn. She, like, if I ever tried to show her how to use a knife, she would just grab the blade. I'm like, I, no, I, the handle. I just showed you the handle, blade. Get out of the kitchen. <laughs> just get the fuck out of the kitchen. So, like, she was so excited about these kid chefs. Uh, she now, she helped cook uh, dinner. She's making her own breakfast. She's, like, way into it, uh, you know. And I, so I feel like there's some sort of genius. And she's, like, wants to try foods that she wouldn't normally want to try. So oh. I feel like we have, television has done good for us and has tricked us in to uh, expanding her palate. So I feel like uh, I'm winning as a parent. <laughs> wow. Good job. Thank you. Hi, I'm calling with a genius. Um, so basically we've convinced our two-year-old that um, the dustbuster is a toy. Um, he always loves pushing stuff around, like a little pretend lawnmower, a little pretend vacuum, anything that has wheels or no wheels, he'll just like push it around. And he's always loved this. Um, and he always wanted to play with like, the big vacuum, and that wasn't really safe or practical. And... We got a dustbuster, and he totally loves just walking around with the dustbuster and finding crumbs like it's a game. So I guess he's not pushing it around, but he carries it around. And lately, it's been like a evening routine, which is perfect for after we like track dirt into the house or drop crumbs on the floor after we eat dinner. Two-year-old gets the uh, the dustbuster, and he finds crumbs, and he vacuums for us, and uh, keeps himself entertained, and it's actually useful. Like, I was thinking, oh, we got to get him a toy vacuum, but no, just get him a real one. So, <laughs> it's working great. Anyway, uh, just thought I'd share. Have a great day. Bye. Oh, that is amazing. I, I, I like... That is so genius. Right? Anytime you can turn, like, getting your kids to do something beneficial for you is a genius. I, I can't believe that. That's so wonderful. I know, isn't it? <laughs> we should, we should, they should actually design dustbusters that look like trucks. Genius, genius. Failures. Fail, 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 fail! You suck. Fail me, John. Well, so I do have an affection for vintage vehicles. <laughs> Because I think new cars are dumb, and I like old 
cars that are, you know, that require a period of warming up before they're drivable. <laughs> and, uh, and my daughter hates them sure, because they don't have all the mod cons. They, the, the, the seatbelt doesn't retract automatically and they're the stereos. I have <laughs> mostly AM radios that only play church music and they're drafty and so forth. And she's just like, she all, she always climbs into my old truck and she's like, get rid of this green truck and get a real car. <laughs> but I say, listen, part of, you know, part of uh, loving daddy is loving his truck. And she's like, no, I refuse. <laughs> But she turned out to be right because uh, last week, every single one of my vehicles, including my vintage RV, all <laughs> broke down at once. <laughs> and all broke down in a way where one of them was spraying antifreeze on me as I drove, and one of them was, you know, on fire. So right, and so sure. And so suddenly, I, I was unable to meet my obligations. I couldn't get her to school. Uh-oh. Uh, I couldn't do the the job. And at one point I had, I, you know, I Ubered her <laughs> I, and went with her, you know, to <laughs> school. And then I, Thanks for getting in the Uber with her. <laughs> just so awful. And then I had to go to my mom and say, listen, mom, you're a nice, you're a nice old lady. I need to steal your car for a few days. And so then I was. Then I was driving my mom's car. My mom had to walk to the grocery store. Oh. I was just, I was covered in failure. Yeah. Yeah, you were. And then I, I finally got the truck back from the mechanic and he handed me the keys and he said, couldn't fix it. Sorry. <laughs> it's, uh, it's almost spring. You don't need a heater anyway. Right. <laughs> and so now I'm driving around in a truck where I have to continually wipe the condensation oh. off the window because I don't have defrost. And my daughter sits back there with her arms crossed, glaring. Oh, at me. yeah. Proved right. Yes. And I just, I have no answer. Well, the, your answer is you're doing a horrible job. <laughs> yeah. Failed. That's an answer. Failed. Daddy hangs his head in shame. Failed. <laughs> so uh, a lot of listeners uh, know that several weeks ago I had this genius. I got, got like a, you know, sort of four inch deep you know, three-foot-long Tupperware bin, you know, from Target or whatever. I filled it with some sand. I filled it with some rocks. And because my son has all these tiny uh, little construction vehicles that are, you know, bigger than a matchbox, but, you know, a hand, you move them around with a hand. And he, it's his construction site or his snow mound or whatever he needs to push around with his tiny vehicles. And it's great. It's, I'm the best parent. Uh, and the weather has turned yucky here in, Cal- in Southern California. And so I usually we just keep it on the porch and it's so nice. We hang out on the porch during the day and he plays with it. I brought it in and I put it, uh, you know, on the bench of our dining room table and he's playing with it inside again. I'm still amazing. And right. then it's time to put him to bed. Uh, it'd been like a weird night. The routine was different. I was letting him play. We're <laughs> Surprise, we're a routine family. And uh, I go to put him to bed, and during the, like, 20 minutes, and I I have, like, yelled at Stefan about putting the lid back on this bin if he walks away even for a minute. Because, uh, as I discovered when I, because I knew this was going to happen, I go to put Ellis to bed, and I come back, and B, my cat, 
very self-satisfied is walking away from my construction site, sandy paw prints across the table because she's just taking a big piss in it. Because, like, you can't have sand, any sand, anywhere near that cat. She's like, hey, awesome. And I had to, like, a storm was coming in. Like, luckily, Ellis didn't get out of bed, but I had to, like, I was so mad. I was like fucking cat and i had to like take it dump it in the backyard like all of it get new sand new rocks because if he woke up the next morning and it wasn't there that was just gonna be like a big pain in the ass and like luckily no piss on the toys but i just was like that sucked all i had to do was put the fucking lid back on and i didn't i know know. oh my god i know ruined it's ruined hi biz and Teresa. this is such a fail is such a fail. I told I, I so messed up. <laughs> so I'm always trying to get rid of my kids' stuff, especially when they don't play with it for a while. There's just so much stuff. And um, my son, um, he's seven years old now. Um, he has not played with a bunch of action figures for like ever. So I totally gave them away to some mom and a mom group, local mom group. And then also lately, my son has been um, trying to give everything away to a homeless shelter because that's like his project. He wants to help the homeless. And I'm like totally on board with it and was very enthusiastic. And um, so my husband comes into my son's room this morning and is like, where did those action figures go? And I'm like, oh, um, my son, he they went to the shelter, which they totally didn't. But I just totally blamed it on him. My husband's like, oh, yeah, those were like limited edition. I spent probably around $150 for the whole lot of them. They're a bunch of superhero figurines and um, Star Wars figurines. And he's like, now I'm angry. And I totally blamed it on my son. I was like, oh, I must have gotten in the bag somewhere. And now my son's crying because he doesn't remember giving them away. And I totally gave them away. And I suck. So that's what I get for trying to declutter a little too enthusiastically. All right. I don't know how this is going to end up, but I'm too chicken right now to tell my husband that it was totally me. So anyway, um, I don't know what I'm going to do, but anyway, I suck. All right. Thank you. But you all are doing a great job. Okay. Wow. Dude, as soon as she said, I threw out and my husband, like she said the word, I thought she just threw out like his figures. I mean, like. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah, my I have I have my little figurines, and my yeah. daughter found them at one point and played with them and broke one. Oh, and I was like, "These are daddy's dolls." Yeah, yeah. and you and she's just like, "What are you talking about? Yeah. These are just little dolls." And I'm like, "They're daddy's dolls." They're daddy's dolls. And you do not. And now daddy's <laughs> dolls live in a box up on a high shelf, yes. and she looks at them longingly and is like. Why can't I play with daddy's dolls? And I'm I, like, you cannot even look at daddy's dolls. Yeah, we had to have a whole conversation about if you're going to let children play with your children's toys, you're going to have to expect them to be broken. So make sure yeah. you know what toys you're allowing them to play with. Oh, I'm so well, sorry. Yeah. You're doing awful. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Blue Apron. Not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference, and so it's important to know where your food comes from. You guys have heard us talk about Blue Apron before. (laughs) Blue Apron is the only reason I've ever cooked. (laughs) 
Um, it's it's a great service. Uh, they send really good, really fresh, delicious ingredients. They make the cooking process really easy, and yet you are actually cooking. So for less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash badmother. That's blueapron.com slash badmother. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. John, let's call a mom. Today, we're going to touch base with Teresa again. Yay! Hello, Teresa. Hi, Biz. Oh, how are you? I am good. <laughs> I'm just gonna let it hang there. I'm gonna is that yeah. a is that a real good or is that a yeah, we're at the no, grocery store? Real, no, no, no. It's a real good. Um uh we made it through like a three day weekend. Yeah. With you know, everybody home. Um yeah. and that was that was a trying experience, but we did fine. Like, it's just, I think it's just like the the noise level oh is God. like yeah. particularly intense. Because we've got like the barking dogs who like haven't been walked, so they're more barky than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like uh, Grace and Oscar are just like competing for who can be the loudest like who like they're just talking (laughs) over each other and like yelling over each other and stuff right um curtis is the easiest person in this entire house right now like he's just fine you know he's two weeks old dude he's 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 curtis he's curtis bro (laughs) plus he's curtis yeah exactly he's super chill we already know that we we Um, already know my prediction based on nothing right yeah um, yeah, so that was a little bit, uh, that was, like, I was definitely, like, ready for the big kids to go back to school today, um, but this, and I'm having quiet time in the house right now, and that's really nice. Um, I do have a little, uh, compliment your partner slash personal fail, nice. um, to share with you, if you want to hear it. I do. So, let's just all hold for me to insert the compliment your partner sound. It's time to compliment your partner. Okay, so Jesse has been totally nailing it. He's working his ass off. Like, I mean, he's just doing, I mean, he's doing like all the cooking, all the cleaning, um, like a, a huge share of the parenting of the older kids, plus helping out with the baby. And he's just doing an amazing job. And the other day, um, he had like created this really nice um, crock pot meal mm-hmm. for our family to enjoy um, for dinner that night. And I was a little stressed out because my coffee grinder just stopped working, which, <laughs> which is, is actually bad so un- it's so not okay. No, no. That it's it's kind of funny though. It's kind of funny that that's happening right now, and it's like a pretty new grinder. Like it's, a, it's new and it's a nice one, and there's no reason for it to stop working. But right now is the time that it chose to stop working. Of course. Um, and so. He had taken the kids out of the house, and I got Curtis, like, all settled and asleep in his little 
bassinet and I'm like, okay, I'm going to fix my grinder. And I go into the kitchen and I'm like trying it on different outlets and like taking the, taking the grinder apart and like putting it back together, blah, blah, blah. I did it to work, which was great at the time, except that it stopped working again, like two days later. So, um, (laughs) whatever, whatever. But anyways, like seriously, like seven hours later, I was sitting there um, in the living room thinking to myself, that's weird. Um, why Why am I not smelling the cooking food that oh. Jesse put in the crock pot this morning? Usually, yeah, usually, I'm smelling it all day when he does that. Huh. And then it dawned on me that when I was trying different outlets on the coffee grinder, I had just unplugged the crock pot this morning. <laughs> At like 10.30, like right, pretty much right after they had left. <laughs> and so all day long, the meat was just sitting in the, in the crock pot. Oh, Teresa. Just sitting there all day long. All day long. And then by the time I discovered this, it was like 5 o'clock. And Jesse was like going to be home shortly. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's off. We, uh, do you, I, people may remember years ago, we had somebody who called in with that fail, with a similar crock pot fail. That, yeah, if somebody had something like that, yeah. Yeah, that is, that's the, because it's the meat, it's the, like, it's the, you can't, there's no saving the it. time. The time. The, yeah. No, it's that's. that he went out of his way yeah. in the morning yeah. before leaving with the kids all day to take care of us for the day. Ugh. And then, like, figuring it out at dinner time essentially, when you, there's, like, no turning back. No. Like, you can't go back and like, oh, we'll just have it later. Like, you have to just figure out a different place. I, yeah, I, you have to just I, throw I, it away and like order yeah. pizza or something. Yeah. That was pretty much what we did. Oh. It was very sad. I felt so sad. <laughs> oh, God. That's awful. I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah oh. It just makes no sense. I'm Anyways, so but sad. Things, things are good otherwise. Aside <laughs> <laughs> from not having a brain anymore. Everybody, technically everybody's eating and, and alive in your house overall. So that's good. Yeah. That's yeah, no, good. they totally are. It's amazing how much people are totally alive and eating. In yes. Yeah. That's a victory. Yeah. Well, I miss you. And... I miss you too. <laughs> and uh, we will. we are all eager for you to come back to work before you should. <laughs> Uh, but uh thank you for checking in with us teresa thank you for calling i will talk to you soon all right bye I'm Allegra Ringo. And I'm Renee Colbert. And we host a podcast called Can I Pet Your Dog? Renee, can I tell you about a dog I met this week? Uh, I wish that you would. In turn, though, can I tell you about a dog hero? May I tell you about a dog breed in a segment I like to call Mutt Minute? (laughs) I would love that. Could we maybe talk about some dog tech? Could we have some cool guests on, like Lin-Manuel Miranda, Nicole Byer, and Ann Wheaton? I mean... Yeah, absolutely. I'm in. You're on board. What do you say we uh, we do all of this and put it into a podcast? Yeah, okay. You think? <laughs> all right. Uh, should we call it like I don't know? Can I pet your dog? Sure. All right. Uh, what do you What do you say we put it on every Tuesday on Maximum Fun or on iTunes? Sounds good to me. <laughs> Meeting's over. Hello and welcome to Podphone. 
What type of podcast are you looking for? You have chosen funny podcasts about bad movies. Rated R. May we recommend The Flophouse. Three friends talk about bad movies and make each other and you laugh. Rated R. The Flophouse is playing at your ears. If you download it right now or whenever. Rated R. To purchase tickets to The Flophouse. You don't need to do that. Just download it. The Flophouse. Rated R. For nudity, I guess. Well, that was so nice. Talking with Teresa, wasn't it? (laughs) Oh, she's such a lovely... She is such a lovely mom. She She really is. She has... She's done such a wonderful job with her family and, uh, and now is. another family. I know. She's arrived. doing such a good job. You know who else is doing a good job? Our mom's having a breakdown. And we are going to listen to a mom have a breakdown right now. Hi, one that another. This is a rant. So I'm potty training and I guess it's fine. I don't know. It's too early to tell what's going on or if it's even working. But anyway, we're going out to this children's museum and I'm thinking this will be the great first time to introduce my son to a potty out in the world and this will be a great place because it's a children's museum so they have like little potties and it's going to be great. So we go and then I go to the bathroom first because I'm pregnant and I can hold it. I, I can't even hold it as long as my son can. So I go first and he's like waiting there. He's, you know, into it. I'm thinking this is going to be great. So I go to the bathroom, and then I flush, and then this toilet, like, it doesn't stop flushing. Like, something's wrong with it, and it's just, like, so loud, flushing and flushing and flushing, and it just puts the fear of God into my child's eyes. Like, he's terrified of this toilet now because it's loud, it's an industrial toilet, and it's, like, not stopping, and I'm like, he was ready to go. He was going to do it, and now because... His stupid toilet was broken. He's so terrified to go on these big potties. And I just, I just, I picked the wrong toilet if I had just picked another <laughs> stall or if they had more maintenance or something. I don't know. <laughs> but like, I'm just frustrated because I knew this was going to be a hurdle. And here we go. It's this oh. scary toilet that's loud and flushes for like 20 oh. minutes. <sighs> anyway. Thanks for the show. Bye. It's the worst. The public, Ellis, again, uh, only has used four out in public, and that was with intense bribery at Disneyland. Uh, Otherwise, he just goes in the toilet that I have sitting in the back of my car because toilets are terrifying. And I, I, it's such a real thing. Like, I, I think that's like such an easy one to forget the like, like either you have an older kid who had no problem getting potty trained or you've already forgotten what potty training was like, or you just haven't gotten there yet. And there is, this is like such a classic example of other people being able to say, well, why don't you just do such and such? It's what I did. My kid had no problem. There's nothing worse than like getting yourself emotionally prepared to do this thing that you know is going to be difficult, that your kid doesn't fucking like. And uh, and then, because most of the time when we talk about these moments where we're like, I really prepped, I knew this was going to be hard, it winds up being successful. <laughs> it really sucks when you get yourself all prepared. And then it actually goes, 
like worse than you can imagine. <laughs> just, oy, oy, oy. I know, but you know what? You're doing a remarkable job. John, yeah, John, what did we learn today? I think we learned that uh, alternative family setups are are fine, everybody. Nobody panic. <laughs> no one's no one's having an alternative family setup at you. Uh, we have learned that yours uh, is working for you guys as a result of all of the effort that you're putting into it. So, I mean, good job. That's everybody. For for these things to work, whether they're more on the traditional side or more on the non-traditional side, the the thing that is true of them is the effort that has to go into it. And so a uh, good job putting that effort and desire into it. And I don't say that in the sense of, now here's your cookie, because it's really hard to put. I'm saying, like, it takes a lot of work. Good job doing a lot of hard work. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the the lesson for me over the years has been that every family is an alternative family. That's right. And the degree to which you feel protected by marriage or or a legal document or a legal arrangement is in you know that's very fragile and the actual only thing that is lasting and secure is when both people are working hard and they share a common uh goal and it doesn't matter whether you're married or not right so Good job to you, John, and and good job to uh, everybody making whatever their situation is work for them. Uh, everybody, you're doing remarkable. John, you are doing a very good job. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Biz. It was a real pleasure. And uh, anytime, anytime. And also, you know, I look forward to receiving all the angry letters that I'm sure I have generated somehow. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm going to edit out all the bad things you said. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. Yeah, good. Everybody, I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, Lindsay Pavlis, our engineer, our husbands, Stefan Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Do you have a genius or fail moment you'd like to share on the show? Then leave us a message at 206-350-9485. Full-on rage-induced rants are also welcome. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.